Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we're going to be recapping really a, a busy weekend across the board for UW athletics. Um, basketball didn't go so well. We'll recap all of that and their loss to Illinois. We'll talk some football news in the back half. There was the Big Ten schedule revision. Of course, the big news surrounding Jim Leonard, some other football news. And then uh, in the back half of the show, um, we're going to touch on our position preview review. We're going to hit on outside linebacker. I think that's the last defensive position we have left. And then uh, in the midst of that, we're going to talk uh, briefly and just kind of give a shout-out to the uh, the volleyball program. Both of the hockey programs really had dominating weekends. I know we, we pay a lot of attention on this show to, of course, football and basketball, but sometimes you got to give some serious recognition to what those other programs are doing. They're having really strong years in this past weekend was uh, really a huge highlight of it. So it was a busy weekend across the board for Wisconsin fans um, in a lot of different ways. Unfortunately, the basketball program is where we're going to start, and that was probably the the worst aspect of the weekend, but uh, we'll get through it uh, and talk about that and see what they can do to turn things around on this episode of the show. Matt, how are you this fine Monday? I'm doing great. Ready to talk a little, uh, get that b-ball game out of our minds and then uh, move on to some fun football stuff. Yeah, we'll start right with the basketball. I mean, it was uh, it was not pretty. You know, the, they kind of got the doors blown off. I, Fifteen point game at the end of it, seventy five to sixty to Illinois. I honestly, um, you know, looking back at it, it seemed like a game that was probably should have been a wider margin. Wisconsin just did not play well on on either end of the floor. I mean, Wisconsin or Illinois came out kind of could do whatever they want with uh, with Ao and, and Kofi Coburn. Really, the the two stars of Illinois kind of did whatever they want, had their way, and, and Wisconsin could never keep pace with them. So, an ugly game. You know, there's a lot that you can dive into, but what did you take from that game overall on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, I mean, that game was just dominated by two players being better than what you've got. It's just really all it came down to is you had two uh, future NBA guys in Ayo Desumu, Kofi Coburn, and they completely flexed their muscle on the Badgers, and Badgers had nothing to respond. I thought Dimitri Trice played okay in spurts, did did what he could do in it, but in the end, he wasn't going to be the guy that's guarding either of them. Um, and really, just across the board, the Badgers struggled on both sides of the ball. Um, I mean, both sides of the court. You look at um, offensively, they, they shot better in the second half, but they couldn't make a three all game long. And if you're a team that's going to be predicated on a three, got to be able to make them. And um, you, you saw Kofi Coburn, the dude had 10 field goals, and I think nine of them were dunks or, or something <laughs> close to that. I remember him making one mid-range jumper from the free throw line, and that's it. The rest of them were easy peasy for him. Yeah, he is, he is a beast of a player. I mean, I remember last year, um, you know that I think they only played once last year, and Illinois escaped uh, with a with a narrow win. I think it was like seventy one seventy. Really, yeah, it was game. a nail biter right at the yeah. end. He was just a 
complete monster. I mean, the the size of him, the strength of him was something that Wisconsin with the likes of, of Reavers and, and Potter just really couldn't hang with. And you knew coming into this game that, you know, honestly, you would have taken Kofi Coburn having a big game and, and playing that well if you could shut, if, it, if that meant you could shut down AO and, and not have him have a big game or one or the other, vice versa. But to let both of them just really do whatever they wanted was was a really big struggle. I mean, those two, like you said, they are better than anything Wisconsin's got on their roster. They're better than what most teams have on their roster. Those two are really talented players. And the way Illinois is playing right now, honestly, they're you – know, you look at across the country, Gonzaga and Baylor are, are clear in a way the top two teams. But when you talk start talking about who that third team is, there, I think Illinois is a team that's in that conversation the way they're playing. So – Wisconsin certainly didn't play well, and you can't really you can't make excuses or, or try to defend anything that Wisconsin did. But at the same time, this Illinois team just came out; their stars showed up. I mean, Ao had a triple double. Uh, just uh, Kofi Coburn had a double double. Like you said, was was pretty much just dunking it whenever he needed to, whenever he wanted to. So you got to give some credit to those guys. They're really talented players, and I know it's it's a Big Ten team, but they're a lot of fun to watch too as well when they're really clicking. Uh, it sucks that it was happening against the Badgers, but uh, when you get to flip the TV on and see those two playing well, they are pretty entertaining, and they've got some other guys that normally do a little bit more for them, but really didn't need to in this game. So at the end of the day, you got to give some credit to Illinois. They played uh, a really strong game, and Wisconsin just wasn't able to to do much to match it, and, and at the end result is is what you get, you know, 75 to 60. Yeah, I think both players were very impressive. Uh, we, we, you knew that both of them were extremely talented. You mentioned last year, Desumu hit that late shot to kind of put things away for them uh, in, in the Cole Center, and Coburn just bullied Reavers mm-hmm. last year. Like it was, it looked like a little child trying to guard him at times. Um, but I, I think you look at it. This is one that you got to swipe away and and get get on to the next one. You've got a big game at Nebraska coming up, and and really. Illinois is running through everybody right now. The way they're playing, you mentioned that they've flown up the rankings. They were just ranked 21st a little bit ago, and now they're all the way up to 6th in the AP. So that tells you just what they've been doing, kind of the hot streak that they've been on. Yeah, they've been impressive. And it's really, you know, Wisconsin kind of, you know, they didn't play well, but they also, like you said, ran just, just kind of ran into a buzzsaw of Illinois right now. Uh, they've, they've, the Badgers will, will have another shot at them later this year, and it's going to be an interesting matchup next time around, and hopefully they can clean up on some, th- some of those things. And really, you know, aside from the defense wasn't great. You know, there's, there's no doubt about that. Like you said, those two really could do whatever they wanted. But the big takeaway was the shooting, especially from beyond the arc. I mean, the Badgers, once again, you know, they were in that they're, – they're always in that 20 to 25 range, hoisted 24 threes, but only converted on four of them. And uh, I know these last few road games, it seems like – it seems like the shooting percentages have gone down. You know, each road game they've struggled and struggled and struggled. So at what point do you look at this team and say maybe we're, we're trying to rely on the three ball a little bit more heavily than what they need to? Or is that just kind of the way the offense is working that they're – you know, they're going to live and die by the three no matter what, and, and that's what you got to live and take with. It, it's tough because this team isn't very dynamic mm-hmm. off the dribble. Right. Like, like you've, got, you've got Tower Wall is probably your second best guy at getting to the rim behind Johnny Davis. So you've got two young guys who can sometimes get to the rim, and that's about it. Everybody else is a jump shooter. Uh, you know, Aline Ford is a catch-and-shoot big. Dimitri Trice, he, he can – he can take you off the dribble, but he's going to hit the pull-up. 
Micah Potter and Nate Reavers aren't, you know, particularly adept inside um, scoring in the paint. They, you saw just how many times they got their shots blocked, they, they traveled, other things happened. They're not great inside. I mean, Micah Potter had four turnovers, and that was primarily um, not outside. It was inside where he was, people were digging down, taking it away, or he just would get blocked, uh, would travel. So, um, but you look at Brad Davison. He's a jump shooter. They, they've got Trevor Anderson. He can sometimes slash. He, he's somewhat of a slasher. Um, but at the same time, you know, he, he's he's not going to get to the rim um, and elevate over anybody anytime soon after his knee injury. So I think you're looking at a team that, based off of personnel-wise, they're a jump shooting team, and we've known that. But it's it's not necessarily that it needs to be 24 three-pointers when you're making you've made four of them. They didn't make a single one until about two minutes into the second half, which is just not what you need from this team. It's not what you expect from them um, to go 0 of 9 in the first half. So I think it's they need to make a concerted effort of going inside, trying to figure out ways to to work inside out. But they also are kind of limited by the fact that that's not their game to go inside. They don't have bigs who are who are Kofi Coburn, where it's oh well, we can't front him, we can't we can't try to to keep his back to the basket. He's just going to dunk over you, and and you don't see that from Nate Reavers. Micah Potter can sometimes do some things in there, but it still looks pretty awkward with his footwork. So it's I, it's tough. I I, I think this team is going to be reliant on on jump shots, but it's, it'd be nice if some of those are uh, more in the mid-range where some of these guys can really do damage, especially like Demetri Trice, for example. Yeah, I'm glad you kind of mentioned that because I was texting with, you know, during the game with a buddy of mine, and he said, you know, this team's hoisted more threes than, you know, the the guys playing pickup ball on a Sunday afternoon, and, and, and I kind of said back, you reiterated that same thing where it's like, okay, yeah, they're, they're relying on threes and they're probably taking too many, but I don't know what else they really have. Like you mentioned, they don't have a guy that can really open things up by getting to the rim and, and you know, making passes out. Demetri Trice can sometimes, but for the most part, he's not, you know, your prototypical slasher. Johnny Davis just doesn't get enough minutes and uh, to be able to really run the offense and through him in a lot of ways. And, and then, like you mentioned, Potter and Reavers aren't, they're, they're big, tall guys, but they aren't your traditional big men of going inside and, and working it through that way. So, while, yes, I would love to see them take, you know, obviously if they're going to take some more threes, it'd be nice for them to knock down more threes, but maybe cut that number down a little bit and, and try to work through some other stuff. But at the same time, like you mentioned, they're they're limited to what they've got. They don't have some guy that you know, you know, these guys are experienced players. You know what you're going to get from them night in and night out. You know, a lot of them played a lot of basketball. So this is kind of what you got and what you got to work with. And maybe they can make some adjustments, hopefully, you know, some of these shots will just start to fall. I think that's a huge part of it as well. It's just these last few games, the the cold streak that they've been on, it seems like shooting-wise is, is eventually going to crack. But uh, at the same time, you know, this team is just a little limited, and they're going to have to rely on the three ball. And, and sometimes teams are like that, and you live and die with it. And at the end of the day, that's really all you can do. I mean, there's certain adjustments you could probably make in certain plays. You can to you know move the ball and run it inside, but a lot of the times, that this is this is the team you're going to get, and if they're falling, they're going to be hard to beat if they play, play defense. And if they're not falling, well, you're going <laughs> to what you get is what you got on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, and and the big thing is this team also doesn't do a great job on crashing the boards, so you're not going to get second chance opportunities very often. 
Um, they don't get out in and try to push you in transition, so you can't get some easy buckets that you'd normally get as well. So it, it's it's going to be tough if you're a half court team and you can't go inside on someone. You don't have an Ethan half. You don't have a guy that you can say, okay, we're going to go and work the bo- the ball inside through him. It, it makes life so much harder. Um, but Wisconsin, I mean. There was multiple things that came up in this game. They got out-rebounded in just one of the craziest differentials you'll ever see, a 46-19. to 19. Mm-hmm. Um, with When you have uh, Kofi Coburn and Ayo Desumu con- combining for more rebounds, assists, and then your entire team, that's not good. That's not what you need. That's not how you're going to win games. Um, so you add on the fact that Illinois had seven more turnovers than the Badgers and still had more points off turnovers. I mean – the Badgers didn't do the little things to help themselves out and take advantage of what Illinois was doing. And from that, it led to easy buckets for, for two of the best players in the Big Ten. And, and that's how that's the recipe for this game. Wisconsin hung around for long portions of this game. But when you they had opportunities. They had opportunities. Uh, I, I remember they got it down to six. And, and you thought, okay, well, maybe there's a shot here. Maybe, maybe they, they can figure this out. But at the same time, Shortly thereafter, uh, they went on a cold streak. They had a, multiple turnovers, and boom, Illinois was back up by 11 and then game over. Like, you just could have closed the book right then and there. When you get it down to six, you can't have three straight turnovers and end the game. Yeah, it just it, it seems like, once again, it's it's just a situation where this team is struggling to be able to put it all together. I mean, we've, all, we've, we've had little things pop up each game that you, you address, the shooting woes. The rebounding has been a concern. We've talked about interior defense a lot this year. All those kind of reared um, its ugly head against uh, again uh, against Illinois on Saturday. So a lot of these things got to get cleaned up as as they move forward here into the the home stretch really of this Big Ten season. And and to kind of round out, I don't know if there's much more we could say about the game itself. So we'll just kind of look forward for the Badgers here. That loss pushes you to 14 and six. You got seven games to play. Five of those games are against ranked opponents. You've got Michigan, you've got Illinois again, you've got Iowa twice, uh, Purdue is in there. Um, then you've got Nebraska and Northwestern mixed in there, both of those on the road. Um, so at this point, you know, there's a lot of tough teams, a lot of, you know, on the schedule, of course, Iowa's struggling. You just got beat by Illinois, so you know what they're going to bring. Uh, Michigan, that game is still kind of up in the air at this point, so maybe there's some changes there, but when you're looking at this team right now, at the, where the record, the way they're playing, where do the Badgers kind of go from here to either A, right the ship, or, or does this can kind of continue to struggle with given, um, you know, the tough schedule that they're about to face? Yeah, I mean, I, I think at this point the Badgers need to hope that they can win four out of the seven. I think if you can do that, you're in really good shape, um, and you'll be able to keep pace somewhat. You You look at it, they've got – Away game at Nebraska, that's very winnable. You can win that game if you show up and play, play you know, somewhat good. Like, just don't have your patented three-minute scoring drops pop up three times in the second half or something. Um, Michigan, that's going to be that's going to be a bloodbath. You know, that's going to be a tough game. Both teams are going to be going at it. Um, it's, but it's at the Kohl Center, so that familiarity gives you a shot against them. You got a home game against Iowa. That's a game that you can win. If, you, if once again, if, if the Badgers play to their highest potential, they can beat any of these games. They can win any single one of them. you got Illinois at home still. You've got Northwestern and Purdue on the road and at Iowa. So it's one of those things where if they can get four out of, four out of those seven games and get, get wins, I, I think they you got to be happy with it and you, you go into the, the Big Ten tournament feeling okay about yourselves. But if you, you know, split it 
I think that's okay. But if you're if if they don't turn around how they're playing right now, I mean, they could realistically win two of those games, and it wouldn't be a surprise because Iowa is one of the best teams in the country. Michigan's one of the best teams in the country. Illinois, one of the best teams in the country, and then Purdue is is kind of a toss up. So I, I think it's going to be one of those things where they've got to figure it out and figure it out quick. Um, and, and hopefully they do because they they have the talent to do it. It's just going to be a matter of putting it together. Yeah, yeah, and that's the nice part is they do have – they've got experience. They've got talent that it just – again, it's, we sound like a broken record, but they just haven't been able to put it all together. There's going to be a game where I mean, these guys might come out and click, and hopefully that's uh, – you know, this game coming up on Thursday against Nebraska, if they can pick up a win there, kind of sets you up well. I mean, the Michigan game, like you mentioned, is at home. Michigan's been on this long hiatus pause, uh, you know, due to COVID that way. Who knows what they've got, you know, how much they've been able to practice, stuff like that. So maybe, you know, that's advantageous to you. Of course, a crappy situation for Michigan, but maybe that plays into your hand a little bit. Iowa is, of course, struggling, having to come to the Kohl Center. you got to expect that they're going to figure out as well. So that's a must win for probably both of those. And then, like you mentioned, the, the games against Northwestern, that one, that one's got to be a win. Uh, Purdue, you, you, Wisconsin historically doesn't play well uh, at Purdue, so that one's a little bit more nerve-wracking, but a toss-up. And then you've got Illinois and uh, Iowa in there again. So I think they've got, of course, the capabilities to do it, and, and hopefully they can. If they could, like you said, get three, four of these, it'd be ideal. Um, but at the same time, if they don't play, if they don't clean up things on the glass, they don't, you know, come out and play more consistent defense. There's some nights where this team plays really good defense. There's some nights where we see it on Saturday where they just, you know, get ran out of the gym by by players that are that are not over. I mean, both of them are really talented and doing a lot, but Wisconsin was giving them a lot of easy baskets as well. And then, um, you know, if the shooting, you know, uh, eventually these shots got to start to fall. I know they've struggled to shoot on the road, and there's some games on the road, but uh, it's going to be an interesting kind of a put or put up or shut up moment for this team because they're. There was much higher expectations coming into the year. These guys had higher expectations given all the talent and the experience they had. So and if they're going to put it all together, I think they're they're running out of time to do it, and hopefully they can you know start to get some things to click uh, Thursday afternoon uh, against Nebraska. I believe that's a 4 p.m. start against the Cornhuskers uh, on Thursday afternoon that way. So it's going to be interesting to see you know how this team writes the ship or, or where they go from here. It's either sink or swim time in a lot of ways for the batters moving forward. Yeah, and they need Brad Davison to show up. Yep. Can't, yep. Can't, can't be starting shooting guard in the Big Ten and score zero points and 0 six shooting. Doesn't <laughs> win you like all games. I said that dude. a few times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you can you can literally look at the statistics, go uh, the post game statistics without the score, and see how Brad Davison did, and have a pretty good indication if this team won or not. It's, it's yeah, it's literally point. it waxes and wanes with him. All right. Well, let's, we've talked enough about the ugly basketball game, and we'll just give a shout out here to the uh, talk about it a little bit the. The volleyball program um, is is dominating right now, six and zero. Just uh, you dominated Rutgers over the weekend. Uh, they're killing it. Men's hockey is in first place in the Big Ten after their sweep of Minnesota. That was a huge series to get that program kind of headed in the right direction. They're playing a lot better this year compared to the last couple of years. And then women's hockey, you know, remains the number one team in the nation. They uh, won and tied at Minnesota this past weekend. So, like I said at the beginning, I know we talk a lot of, of basketball and football on here and We've talked a little bit of volleyball and hockey throughout, uh, you know, the, the tenure of, of Bucky's fifth podcast here. But I just wanted to really give them a shout out. It's it's fun to watch. You know, of course, women's hockey has been dominating for a while. 
Um, you know, Wisconsin volleyball has been a, a top tier program these last five, six years, and, and really beyond that, been a pretty good program under Kelly Sheffield. And then men's hockey, you always knew the potential was there these last few years. There's been some down years, but they look to have been kind of right in the ship. So exciting times. I know basketball struggling, but these other teams are, are really putting it all together. And if you watched it all this past weekend, they were a lot of fun to watch. Hopefully they can keep that clicking uh, throughout this season. Yeah, they picked up a, a lot of uh, a lot of things from that Badgers uh, basketball loss. They kind of salvaged the weekend in a lot of ways because it was it was great to see the the men's hockey team play so well um, and really kind of take it to Minnesota against their rival. Um, women's hockey team is just a beast. And then volleyball, I know we had Kelly Sheffield on. Uh, in the preseason, and, you know, he was very excited about his team, and that's coming to fruition very much so because that team is loaded and should be one of the top teams in the country all year long and having a chance to to uh, avenge last year's finals loss with a chance to uh, hold up the hardware. Yeah, it's it's really it's an exciting group to watch. All three of the teams are, are playing well right now, and, and hopefully as they get further into the season, continue to get to play well. You know, I'm glad that this volleyball team, they had such high expectations and and you know wanted to to of course get back to that championship game and hopefully get over that hump. And you know, when COVID first started, they were a little nervous that you know some of these sports that don't get as much attention as as football and basketball. Um, we're going to be unable to be played. So it's good to see that they got their season and, and are playing well right now. I think this team is, is a buzzsaw and, and really going to be fun to watch as the season progresses. And, and same thing with, with both the hockey teams right now. They they both played well over the weekend, and hopefully that can continue. Um, yeah, like, like, you said, like you said, they really salvaged the weekend, um, just given what the basketball team put out there. So um, not all bad. You know, we <laughs> The first 20 minutes of the show were a little doom and gloom given with the basketball play, but we wanted to end it on a high note before getting into some football discussion. So uh, with that, you you ready to hop into some football talk? Let's do this, man. All right, we got a lot of football to talk about. Like It seems like uh, every episode we get uh, two or three um, little news and notes to, to touch on. Of course, the big one was, was defensive coordinator Jim Leonard. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But before we get to that, uh, the Big Ten released the revised schedule for the Wisconsin football team. Um, there were some changes to all the opponents stayed the same. If you missed the, the story, um, they just had to move some things around in terms of dates and uh, locations that way. And I think this new schedule actually plays into the Badgers' hands a little bit better. Um, the original schedule, they had that really tough uh, stretch in the beginning of the season. You had... Uh, uh, Notre Dame, Michigan, and Penn State, and Minnesota, you know, with that Army game as well, all sandwiched within like five, six weeks. Um, so that got changed up a little bit. But uh, overall, I think the the new schedule looks pretty good for the Badgers, kind of gives them a, a little bit of a break. Northwestern is now later in the schedule as well, so that's a, a nice perk. But what did you make of that revised schedule, and, and how do you think it shapes up for Wisconsin? Yeah, I think, I, I think I totally agree with you that it was nice to see kind of some of that get spread out along. It's nice to see that, that uh, Wisconsin-Minnesota game back to where it should be at the end of the year just because it's usually such a huge game in that rivalry. Um, I'd love to see that they actually switched up when where the Badgers would play Nebraska as well, that it's at, um, that it's at home. That would Otherwise, it was scheduled to be four straight years playing at Nebraska, which is silly um, from a scheduling um conversation but it's good to see that but you look at the schedule and it plays out nicely you get Iowa at home you you get some of the games the Northwestern at home 
Um, you, you've got Michigan at home, like those are, and Penn State. Those are the games that you'd want at home, and you got them. Um, you still have to go on the road to to Illinois, which I'm sure they're going to be pumped to to try to get back at them. You got to go to Purdue. You got to go to Rutgers, which should be a cakewalk, and at Minnesota. But overall, I think this this schedule lays out really nicely. Um, you know, I think Army is going to be a fun game, and that's a, a team that they don't really play very often, but it should play into the Badgers' hands that it's a running team, that the Badgers should be able to to kind of hopefully close down those running lanes and, and do some good stuff on the defensive end. Um, but it will be an interesting to see if anybody can score in that game. Uh, but I think it's, it's it's really good, and I'm excited for, for this schedule, especially that it's starting off at a high note against Penn State. Yeah, I think the schedule really plays out nicely, especially like you mentioned, that opener against Penn State. If you can get a win there, take care of business against Eastern Michigan, go into a bye week before heading to Soldier Field to take on Notre Dame, you're you're really in a good spot. And then, like you mentioned, you get uh, Michigan at home. You know that this series up until this past year has been dominated by the home team. So for Wisconsin, you got to feel good about that one. Your your road games are like you mentioned Illinois, Purdue, Rutgers, and in Minnesota. You have to feel good about those. I mean, those are you know of course you expect some of these teams to get better. Purdue is is a team that year in and year out can be scrappy. Illinois with Brett Bielamo that should have add some intrigue and maybe they're better. And Rutgers was better this past year. But overall, if you're looking at the teams and you could pick your away games, I think those are probably outside of Minnesota. You know, you always want to have Minnesota at home, but. Um, historically, that rival has been a, a pretty good place for the Badgers to play uh, on the road as well. So I think it sets up really well, and I'm excited to hopefully have, uh, you know, so you'll be, be back in the stands for a lot of these games to have Penn State, Michigan, Army, um, you know, Northwestern, Nebraska as your home games for a season. If you got fans back in the building, it should be a, a nice, fun uh, welcome back for the for the 2021 season. I think everybody will be excited to see some of those games at Camp Randall. Uh, as the season wears on and, and seeing that new schedule and just thinking about the matchups and, and being back in the stadium, uh, I'm sure has a lot of people excited. Yeah, now we just got to hope that it can, people can actually be in the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. Fingers crossed that we're progressing towards that. Um, moving on here news-wise, Badgers announced um, Sean Snee, director, uh, the new director of football strength and conditioning, internal hire here for the Badgers. Not really, I think, a, a huge surprise given that they went with someone from within the program. Uh, I think that's kind of the MO for Wisconsin overall and what they like to do. So I'm not super familiar with the background. I'm not sure how, what you know or think of him, but what do you make of that new hire and just how key is it to get someone and get the right person in that position once again? Well, the role is is – you know, outside of the head coach, it might be the second most important mm-hmm. just because this person is going to be working with the players every single week, multiple times a week, um, you know, in the off season, it's every single day almost. So I, I think it's huge. I think it's it's big that it's a guy, you, you assumed it'd be in, internal because uh, of the fact that Kalaji moved to defensive end. I doubt they, I figured they wanted to keep some of the same things because it's worked. Kalaji knows what he's doing, um, but uh, I think this is a, a guy that has done a lot and, and kind of added some new things. With the, he's been overseeing the, the team's nutrition program. He's been working with the the GPS software where you can kind of know where guys are and map their movements and, and doing everything with that. And also been um, in charge of you know return to play stuff. So I think you know he brings a wealth of experience having worked under Kalaji for six years. 
I think it's a natural progression that he would, you know, take on a role like this. So I think it makes a ton of sense for the Badgers. It makes a ton of sense for him. Now it's now it's a matter of um, how much help can still Kawaji give him in, in being able to collaborate and talk through things. It sounds like Snead in the press release said that he, very little will change. A lot of it will be the exact same. Um, but that uh, he'll put his own little tweaks on it to, to continue to develop the culture of, in the weight room and everything. But I, overall, I think this is a, a good move. I figured it was going to be him or Costigan who would get it. So um, I, I think overall it's, it's, a, it's a good hire, and it makes a ton of sense, especially with the fact that, hey, you're going to be starting up or you've already started up winter uh, training. It had to be an internal guy. Otherwise, you're setting yourself so far back. Um, to, to change things up right now. Yeah, it works out well that you can kind of keep these guys, you know, I would say given this past year of, of uncertainty with COVID and, and all sorts of distance practice, you know, you're doing stuff over FaceTime, you're, you're doing stuff over Skype, to be able to try and keep that the same. And, and of course, there's going to be little tweaks with every new coach to put their spin on things. But for the most part, if you can keep the program the same, keep these guys in the same routine, um, as they get back, of course, into working in some of these winter conditioning stuff like that, I think that's important. You hope that you can progress, you know, winter conditioning right into to a spring season that way, and then start up a, a normal fall once again. So the more things stay the same, um, you know, minus you know a couple tweaks here and there, I think is important as you try to move forward with this program because now you've got the the, the strength and conditioning, um, you know, the same way you've got Jim Leonard, of course, back, you know, as the defensive coordinator. So I think for Wisconsin, as you move into this next year, consistently consistency is is key for this team, and I think this will really help them you know, make strides in, into next year. This past year was, of course, up and down. Some some positives in terms of winning some games and getting some guys on the field, but I think next year you'll see a nice jump from this team, and that's part of due to you know keeping the winter conditioning the same and, and hopefully getting a normal spring ball. And I think all those things will play a big hand into this team being a lot better in 2021. For sure, yeah. I mean, and this is this is a guy who who followed Chris from Pitt when he was when he was there. Um, spent a year at UMass after being a grad assistant for Chris. So th- this guy knows, um, or Paul Chris knows this guy inside and out. He didn't need to vet him and do everything. He knew what he would he got from him on a day to day basis. And I'm guessing this was part of the reason that Ross Kalaji made that move. He's not getting a bump in pay. Um, Kalaji is it to make that shift. So I'm, I'm assuming that this was something that they they all kind of came in together and were like, hey, we can do a lot of the exact same stuff that we're doing right now with Sean at the helm and bring in Ross Kalaji to make him as the defensive court or defensive line coach and, and possibly bump production there. Yeah, I think it'll it'll really work out well. And Wisconsin's done a good job of of hiring from within, keeping the alum and the guys that they know, and it's it's hopefully will take them. Uh, to the next level that I know they're working towards. You know, they've they've been consistently a strong program, just looking to take that next step. And and, then that's an important position to have a a strong leader in that way. Speaking of important position, we talked about it last episode. Of course, there were the rumors of defensive coordinator Jim Leonard uh, possibly leaving to go to Green Bay. It sounded, you know, like a lot of reports said it was his job if he wanted it. Um, But at the end of the day, Jim Leonard did end up turning it down, uh, sticking with UW. He said his heart was kind of here, his family was here. Um, I think for a lot of people that was a touch and go where where some people would have liked to see him as the the Packers defensive coordinator, but some people you didn't want to lose him 
Um, as a Badger fan, I think both of us kind of reiterated at the end of the day we were hoping he'd stayed at Wisconsin. So I think it's big for the program. I think a lot of the players had a nice sigh of relief. You saw a lot of the guys on Twitter saying, you know, we're, we're excited and, and ready for him. And, and I'm really uh, glad to see that he's back for Wisconsin. So what did you make of that and, and how big of that is that this, you know, the defensive leader that has been so strong for these last few years is back with the Badgers in 2021? Yeah, I mean, I can't be overstated how important his decision to return is. Um, you, you don't usually see guys turn down opportunities to to uh, go on to the pros, especially at, you know, hometown mm-hmm. uh, state NFL-run franchise. Um, but that's to see now, okay, he's turned down the Rams defensive coordinator. He's turned down this. He's supposedly turned down opportunities as to be the Illinois head coach. Like, he is turning down things to stick here with his family in, in the Madison area just outside of Middleton. And, and I think that's that's huge. And it, it really – it's huge for recruiting because it, you saw when he made his announcement, some of the first people to, to comment on are Avery Powell, Sebastian Cheeks, a couple of your top de, um, defensive players that you're recruiting, um, Isaac Ham or Ham. Like these are guys that you're trying to build for the 2022 class and they're seeing – Hey, this is a guy who had a chance to go become the Packers defensive coordinator, and he's coming back. That resonates with with kids, and it's it's big for the program. I, I think it it was pretty touch and go. I think a lot of people thought he might be out the door, and it, by the sounds of it, it he was pretty damn close. But um, I, I, it's just it's absolutely huge to have him back. Uh, this defense went through some growing pains last year at times with some of the young guys cutting their teeth, but I think overall. It's it's set up nicely for next year when you consider how many guys are coming back and the talent level on this defense. And and I, I don't know if that played a role in Jim Leonard's mind, but at the same time, he, he's a he's a very smart individual who who had to have gone through the process knowing what he wanted. It wasn't like he was going to see a huge um, bump in pay to go to the Packers. He's already making one point one million dollars. Um, sometimes it's about comfortability, and he's got a young family, so. For him to stay is, is big for the program, and I know uh, Paul Christ had to um, breathe a sigh of relief. Oh, yeah. you to, to not have to make any sort of change or look for a new hire that way um, is absolutely huge for this Wisconsin program. You, met, you touched on really everything. It, it resonates with a lot of different places. You know, you've, got, you've got recruiting that he's doing really well, and you've got some big names that he's going after. But you've also got just in the, in the short term this year coming up to have Jim Leonard leading these guys as they get ready for another season and try to progress, um, I think is huge. And you look at the guys they brought in and, and, and the likes of Jake or uh, Braylon Allen and, and Hunter Wohler, you wanted to see what Jim Leonard could do with some of those guys on the recruiting front uh, as well and see what he turns them into as college players. So I think it's really, uh, it can't be overstated, like you said, how huge it is. He, he's super important to this team and you got to feel good about it in the future as well. There's going to be, as long as he continues to have success, um, there's going to be teams and names and rumors coming around. But to turn down the defensive coordinator job for, for the Green Bay Packers, is, it probably means that Jim Leonard's probably not going to be jumping ship um, for, for a lot of positions because that's one of the bigger ones that you could get. And, and he said no to stick with Wisconsin. So I think it's uh, really important and huge as they move forward uh, for this program. And, you know, to kind of round it out and, and segue it, He'll, part of his defense will be leading the outside linebacker position. So we're going to do our position preview and review for that group um, under Jim Leonard. You know, coming into this year, um, we you know preseason that was kind of a concern position a little bit. You had, uh, of course, Noah Burks. 
You had some guys in the running as well down below, but there was some some question marks at that outside linebacker position given the the departure of Zach Vaughn before this year started up. So overall, I would say it's an up-and-down year for the position. Nick Herbig, of course, came onto the scene and was a a great player um, as a freshman, but there were some other guys that worked into the fold and and maybe had down years. So what did you make of, of the outside linebacker group in 2020? Yeah, I mean, I think once Isaiah Green May went down with another injury, it, it was clear that, mm-hmm. hey, they were going to be going with the youth movement outside on the opposite side of Noah Burks. I thought Burks, was he didn't do a whole lot. Like, there wasn't the flash. We didn't see him return a touchdown or return an interception for a touchdown like we did last year. Um, you know, he had the, a couple nice plays here and there, but he wasn't getting to the quarterback. Um, overall, the outside linebacker group didn't get to the quarterback as much as I think you would have hoped for for Bobby April's group. But I, I think you also look at it, though, as you had a, a lot of young guys. C.J. Getz was, is, had a nice year as a guy who, who really was a special teamer for most of his time entering his redshirt so- sophomore year, and he put together some good stuff on tape and, and should be in the mix next year. Nick Herbig, I think, flashed. Um, throughout the season and looked the part as a guy you could um, build at that build to be great at outside linebacker moving forward. Spencer Lytle, you saw his role expand as the season went on, which I think is awesome. Same thing with Aaron Witt, who is a guy who I think has just freakish potential if you can put it all together at 6'6", 240. Um, he, he, he had that nice stack uh, later on in the season as well. So you look at this, and I think, sure, there wasn't like a crazy amount of production. But you also saw that a lot of guys got involved with things in the backfield, got sacks. C.J. Getz had a sack. Um, Herbig had a sack. Noah Burks had a sack. Right? You can go down the line. Um, I already mentioned the fact that um, Aaron Witt had a sack, and, and it came when, when they needed it. You know, We saw him get the sack against Wake Forest and a forced fumble. So I think in looking at this group, they've got a lot of really good players. And um, I think overall, it wasn't the year that you would hope for, for getting to the quarterback. But at the same time, they got a lot of experience for a lot of different guys. And that competition should only elevate things next season. Yeah, I mean, this really this group is has got a lot of intrigue to it. And there's, there's no, you know, I think Nick Herbig is probably a clear-cut starter, but there's going to be some competition. He's not going to just, you know, be handed a spot. You know, I think it, it's a group that is going to have, like you mentioned, a lot of quality competition because there's there's really tiers uh, of this team in this outside linebacker position. You've got the experienced guys in Green May and Noah Burks, but for the most part, they've they've had some flashes in their career, but haven't made the splashes that they've wanted to. And then you've got those middle guys like uh, Spencer Lytle, C.J. Getz, and then you've got the young guys, you know, Caden Johnson, Aaron Witt, uh, Herbig, incoming guys like Peterson, A.O. TJ Bowlers maybe, Braylon Allen maybe, depending on where those guys transition. So I think right now it's it's hard to get a read on who's going to be one of those, you know, some of those starters. But at the same time, it's going to make that position group really, you know, competition-wise, it's going to be the the two guys that are out there in that first game against Penn State are going to have to have really earned it because it's no longer, you know, throwing a guy out there because he's the next guy up and, and should be the guy in there. You know, he's developed up the depth chart, and now it's his turn. This could be a, a group that really any of these guys, if they have a strong offseason and a strong spring ball into fall practice, could end up as the starter. So it's it's going to be a group to watch with a lot of intrigue, and, and they've got a lot of depth that could really make this a, a fun competition 
as they head into spring and, and fall ball. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, and on paper, you'd have to assume that Herbig and Burks would be your starters just mm-hmm. because they played so much last year. But but you're right, like Isaiah Green May, who knows? Like, the kid could explode and have a great year because he's always had the, the physical tools to do it. But then you also see, like, Spencer Lytle came out at the end of the year. Aaron Wick came out at the end of the year. And and Caden Johnson, I mean, he was a highly ranked four-star kid for a reason. So I think, I think you're going to have – the ability to throw waves of guys um, and to keep guys fresh, which which only can help at a position where you need to be running 100 miles an hour trying to get to the quarterback, trying to set the edge. And um, and what's nice is they've got a lot of guys who do a lot of different things. Burks is a little bit better in coverage. You know, Nick Herbig is more of a guy who's going to get after the quarterback. Spencer Weidel, a little better in coverage. Um, whereas you look at Aaron Witt at 6'6", 240, he's going to set the edge. He can also get after the quarterback. So you've got a lot of guys that have different skill sets, which should also help them down the line and, and help make Bobby April's job tough, but also fun because he's going to be able to mix and match things based off of um, who they're going against and, and use his personnel wisely. Yeah, and, and that's really the nice part is, like you said, you can keep these guys rotated in to keep them fresh. You're, you're going to have to earn your way onto the field with this group, and, and that wasn't always the case. You know, a couple of years ago, you looked at, you know, who was going to be across a from, from Zach Vaughn. There was a mixed group there. You didn't have a lot of options that way in terms of younger guys versus, you know, fast forward a couple of years, you've got a group that, yes, you maybe haven't seen a lot from them in terms of, you know, on the field production that way. Of course, you've seen it from, from Burks and, and Herbig this year. Uh, but you've still got a lot of talented guys that can make a run at this group. So it, it's going to be the best player out there, the guy that's earned it versus, you know, the guy, like I said earlier, that is, is just kind of next up in line. Uh, and the competition is going to be fun. I, I really don't think, like you said, it's probably Burks and Herbig right now, just given how much they've played. But I wouldn't say that they're, you know, any sort of odds-on favorite to to be out there. If If somebody puts together – a strong spring and a strong fall and is playing up to his potential. And, and Jim Leonard's going to find a way to, to have them in there. So to have a rotation, to have depth there makes this position, as you're looking at it coming into this fall and in this next season, really one with a lot of intrigue just simply because there's other positions you've got established starters. You know, inside you've got Sanborn and Schnall. Those are your guys. But outside, once again, it's going to be you know, a little bit of question mark, but also some fun because these guys are really going to have to get after it and, and earn their spot on the field, which is always good to see. The competition just makes everybody better as they move forward. No doubt. But, yeah, I like that you brought up um, the idea about um, both Daryl Peterson, you know, T.J. Bowlers. They get, they have some positional versatility, maybe more so Bowlers as a, as a jumbo outside linebacker, where if, if you want to get creative, if he proves to be one of your top top pass rushers, you could slide them in at, at you know, playing a stand-up defensive end position um, if you're in the 3-4 and, and use him to that advantage. Same with Aaron Witt, you know, he because of his size at, you know, 6'6", 240, if he adds to that, he could be a menace uh, in there as well. So I think Jim Leonard can come up with a bunch of crazy concoctions. There's a reason that everybody wanted him. This is a group that I think the way they're stockpiling outside linebackers should tell you that they're wanting to get creative and that they see position versatility within these guys. And I think it makes it definitely an exciting time to see 
how they deploy all of these guys um, on the field because there's no way that they're only going to use two of these guys mm-hmm. on the field because they're bringing in some of their best players are you know out this outside linebacker position and that's and they're they're bringing in a bunch of hybrid type players that can do a lot of fun things. I think you you hit the nail on the head there. I think it's going to be a group that is really fun to watch as we move forward and a group to to pay close attention to. You know, as you you, know, you hear from coaches as you get into spring and fall ball, that's going to be a, a topic of conversation is, is who's progressing and who's making a name for themselves at that outside linebacker position. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, to watch that competition progress. So, all right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. We'll, of course, be back with you later in the week. As always, thank you for listening on Wisconsin. Thank you.